Mom, thank you for being my support and my best friend. Thank you for your patience and your love over the past 17 years. I've enjoyed our adventures together and I can't wait for the ones we have to come. Hey, Mom, love you. Hope you have a great day. Hope you're not tired of me by the end of this quarantine and um, hope your day is as special as you are. I love my mom because she's very loving and very encouraging to me. Thank you for always supporting me in show choir and laughing at my jokes even though they're not funny. Hey mom, I was just uh, saying uh, have a great Mother's Day and I love you a lot. And thank you for standing by my side with everything that you do. Love you. Love my mom because she's always willing to try new things. And once we tried, we wanted to watch the Marvel series with her and she really didn't want to, but she did anyway. I love and appreciate all that you do for our family. You encourage me to do my best. You come to my gymnastics meets. You make good food. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. You're the best and for taking care of me and stuff. I hope you have a great day. I love my mom because she supports me in everything I do with all my sports and everything I do at school. I'm on TV. Thanks for always being there to support me. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks for putting up with me during uh, this crazy quarantine and hope you have a great day. Love you. Thank you for everything that you do. And thanks for making dinner. My mom taught me how to cook eggs. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for teaching me all the important things and for helping me to decipher what the important things are. You're the sweetest and most beautiful soul I've ever met. My mom always keeps me organized. Love you, mom. I love how strong my mom is. When I was in kindergarten and she was in Afghanistan, I remember getting her letters and being able to Skype her, and it was really amazing. My mom is a very caring and thoughtful person and always helps me when I'm going through tough times. Thank you for everything you do for us and how hard you work. I love and appreciate you. Happy Mother's Day. I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Have a great Mother's Day. Happy 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 Mother's Day. And Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. We nailed it. All right. Well, happy Mother's Day, everyone. It is Mother's it Day. It is Mother's Day. And you want to give a shout out to your mother? Uh, do you know what I like to tell everyone when they mention my mother? I think I do, but you go ahead. Uh, just so you guys all know, my mom's a doctor. She's a doctor. 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 Grimaud. Teresa Grimaud. There you go. Yes. Uh, and she really likes it when you call her Dr. Grimaud. So next time you see her, make sure, <laughs> make sure you call her that. Um, but no, in all seriousness, it is Mother's Day. And uh, I'm thankful for my mom for a lot of things. But yeah. the biggest one's actually... Um, you know, being on this stage today, like, uh, and I've shared this story before in church and, and some sermons and on Sunday morning, but my mom started telling me in sixth grade, she thought I would be a pastor someday. And any sixth grader probably can imagine, like, that's maybe the scariest thing your parents <laughs> can tell you, like terrifying. And, uh, and yet her consistent, you know, sticking to that message and believing that is really what helped me believe in myself to be able to have the confidence to become a pastor and look to be on staff. And so, um, so I know for you guys out there, I'm sure your moms have influenced you in a lot of cool ways, unique ways and stories. Um, maybe you could even share those in the comments and, yeah. and we could celebrate the way your mom has impacted you today. And listen to your mother. And so seriously, happy Mother's Day. Uh, we appreciate you all so much. So today we are actually wrapping up our series called Rise Up. And uh, it's been a, a cool series. And we've been actually talking about some, some unique characters in the Bible from Ezra to Nehemiah and the troubles and, and things that they had gotten themselves into and they had to, to rise up and get a community around them to do what they were called to do. And, and then last week, Kim and Jordan shared about rising up through suffering. And, and if you haven't watched that, you need to go back 
and listen to that. But I love this whole thing about rising up because we're all called to rise up. And sometimes in our lives, we have to uh, yeah. rise up in our lives. Well, at I love times. the story of Nehemiah because that's maybe the least interesting story you could think of. Build a wall. <laughs> yeah. But the story is so cool and interesting. And we all have kind of our own ways. Yeah, we need to rise we up. Actually, and, it, and it looks different and feels different for each of us. Yeah. Yeah. So today's going to be a little different um, as Trevor and I were talking about what we're going to be talking about today. And one of the things I asked him to do was I would love to talk a little bit about, you know, from a teen perspective of what it takes for them especially in, in, in how they're living in this culture, in this day and age, of how they can rise up. So, and, and so we've had a lot of conversations over the last week. Yeah, it's so, as always, Brad sent me this nice email, and I'm like, <laughs> took it and threw it all away, yeah, and I'm like... My outline was, was cast out right away. <laughs> yeah, so every time I get invited, I feel like every time I'm on this you know, stage, I just like throw a curveball and bring up an odd topic again. But uh, I love this topic, though. So today, as is, is Brad was asking this question... Um, Maybe some of you have know, have heard, uh, we started a podcast with teenagers, right. and we only got a few episodes in, and we had some technical difficulties before we had to take a break. Um, but in one of our episodes, we were talking with teens about God, about their view of God, about the way they interact with, with their peers and, and talk about God in our world today. And one theme that came out that, that kind of struck me as a little different was that teens really feel today like they can't necessarily talk freely about God, about their beliefs, their their opinions they can't really have a different opinion than somebody else and and in the conversation they didn't go so far as to say they felt like they were in the minority but that's kind of like what they were getting that at. was yeah. the, the implication of what they were saying was yeah. exactly that and i think it on, honestly you know yeah we're going to talk a lot about teens today but it also translates to the world that that we as adults are living in also yeah. Well, and it was funny because as I was sitting there in that conversation and thinking about it afterward, I was like, honestly, yeah, I felt the same way for a while, but I don't know that I even recognized that in myself and, and understood really fully right. how big of an issue this had become. Exactly. Exactly. So that's kind of where we're heading today. And, and how do we rise up yeah. during those times when we're feeling that, especially with our teens? And how can we help our teams navigate those kind of feelings and, and, and what they're experiencing in their, in their world and in their culture? Yeah. And so it's interesting. So I want to start with actually a story that comes out of John 15. This is Jesus having a conversation with his disciples. And the conversation's kind of long. We're going to look at the first part, and then we'll come back and look at the last part in a little bit. But in John 15, 18 and 19, Jesus says this to his disciples. If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Yeah, and, and when we talked about this, the scripture verse earlier in the week, you said that it was really confusing to you. Yeah, so I, I remember reading this verse. Um, if anyone remembers Bible quizzing yeah. back in the day, I did that in high school, maybe middle school, and we did John as one of our quizzings. Right. So I had read this passage. I just couldn't relate, right? Growing up, and, and I was born in 1987, so I would have been in middle school, you know, high school, around the 2000s, right? And so I felt like it was very normal to be a Christian. Like, I didn't feel like in my world in America, anyone really hated Christians. And, and I realize we're in Indiana, so like right. we're a little bit isolated from that. But And even for me growing up, it was, I think it was even more so, is that, you know, this was just a standard thing. You got up, you went to church on Sundays. It was a typical thing. Yeah. It, there was no misconceived perception of, yeah, this is just, God is part of your life. Yeah. And now here we have kids navigating, and this is becoming more and more relevant. Yeah. And, 
and the terminology really is is what we're living in, and you've probably heard this term thrown around is we're living in a post-Christian time, yep. a post-Christian world. And I honestly, for I don't know how long, didn't even really know, well, what does that really mean? And, and so we just want to unpack yeah. that a little bit. And, and, and so I, I looked up the, the definition of what post-Christianity is, and here's what it says. It says, post-Christianity is the loss of the primacy of the Christian worldview in public affairs, especially in the Western world, where Christianity had previously flourished in favor of alternative worldviews. And I think that's exactly what we've been talking about. And the studies show that there were more than 70% of people who would have aligned with the Christian worldview previously. Right. And that would have been in what they are considering the Western world. So like the Americas, Europe, right. um, but 70%. So yeah, I mean, we, how could we have felt hated if, if 70%. If you, if you were part of the, the majority. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, yeah that, and that's kind of where we are. And you got to understand that we are becoming more and more of a post-Christian uh, atmosphere, a, a post-Christian world. Mm-hmm. Our kids are much more um, than what we are, especially, you know, basically my grandkids now are going to be living in a, a much more pro- post-Christian. Yeah. That is not the worldview that they are growing up in. And we've got to understand that and realize that so that we can help them navigate that. Right. And I think that's what, that was difficult for me is because, um, I mean, I call, fall kind of in the middle. Uh, if you look at the stats generationally right. where, yeah, the older you are, the more probably this is confusing. And the younger you are, the more like, yeah, this is the only world I've known. Because the younger you are, the more of a post-Christian world you live in and the more post-Christian your generation is. Exactly. And so Barna actually did some research. We're going to talk about Barna towards the end yeah. today. But, but some of the questions they asked about, you know, if you could answer these, this is what showed that you were living in a post-Christian world. And yeah. here's some of the questions is, or statements was that they just, one is you just do not believe in God. Another one is they identify as atheist or agnostic. Here's a big one. They would disagree that the Bible is accurate. Yep. You know, we're going to get all kinds of mail about that. Yep. They do not feel responsible to share their faith. Mm-hmm. And some of the stats on that for even people who are, are believers, evangelicals, the yep. stats of I should, should share my faith in my generation, that was just a natural thing. You just, that's what you did. Yeah. It's more and more, no, that's seen as taboo, even in the Christian culture which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, they have not attended church in the last six months and they have not prayed in the last, <laughs> in, in the last week. And those are just some of the, the, the answers that they were yep. receiving that that is why we're in this post-Christian culture. Yeah, and a big one too is that, that we have to realize is, is people looking for answers outside of religion. Right. right? There are a lot more areas to, to try to figure out answers and, and questions. And so they're just wrestling with the same questions we still are, but like, and there's been more and more access to other yeah. worldviews and so, other theories and other things yeah. out there. And, and the internet's a great source of information. But. It's, it's complicated. It makes, <laughs> yes. it, it makes it more and more yes. complicated. And so that's, and that's what's kind of happening, you know, generationally with, with our kids and what they're dealing with now. Yeah. And, and I think... The only world they've known, which is just weird, I think, for us to understand. And I think for us, again, you know, I had to ask myself this week, and maybe that's a question for you this week is, is... Is that actually happening to me also? Am I more afraid of sharing my faith? Am I more uh, afraid of living out what, what God is calling me to do in my life because of everything that's happening in the world? And I think we dis- dismiss that as, oh, no, that's not happening. But in reality, when you really think about it, we yeah. are yeah. doing that, even as adults. Mm-hmm. So. So, I've noticed, so one of the things I said in uh, 
my podcast with the teens because we were talking about kind of lunch day conversations, right? And, and I don't know if this is true for you, but I can remember, I would guess at least 50% or more of the time in high school, we were discussing God or religion or something at lunch. Yeah. Like it was just normal. And they were saying that, like, you don't bring that up at all. And I've noticed that, even... That, that's, yeah, and that that's, tells you kind of what, what they're battling. So if they've made this decision to follow Jesus or, or want God to be part of their life, the, the walls they're, they're, they're yeah. up against in school and, in, and even with their friendships and things. Yeah. Um, but, but even beyond that, like, I've noticed in my own life, like, how many times do I really talk about God anymore? Outside of like when we're at church or when I'm with teens. And like, that's what starts sneaking in. I think that's yeah. what we have to ask ourselves. Is it, is it even creeping into to my life? And I, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, yeah, you know what? It does. Right. The, the, way I, the way I interact with people, the way yeah. I interact online and things like that. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I've, I've said for a while is like, I don't, I don't like to tell people that I'm a pastor. Like if it comes up, I'm not going to hide it. But like that's not information I offer. And it used to be a badge of honor. Right. It used to be, you know, a highly right. thought of, you know, yeah, I'm a pastor. Yeah. Now, I normally get when I, I, I tell somebody I'm a pastor, they say, really? You are a pastor? So well, anyway, that's another story. I get a similar response. <laughs> another but, story. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it just, it changes the way people interact. And sometimes you get harsh responses. You just don't know how yeah. people are going to respond to that. And, and honestly, um, you know, we've brought some of that on ourselves as the church. And we'll talk a little bit more about that yeah. coming up too. But, but because of some of the way that, that we have not been responsible with our faith of loving people and, and wanting to condemn people and things like that, we brought a lot of that on ourselves and we have to own some of that. Yeah. I not mean, all of it, but some of it. I'm heartbroken by the stories I still hear about the way churches have treated people, the way they've responded in tough situations and just, I mean, I, I read a lot of stories online and just even the things people write or the things people will tell me, like the church has done some bad things. And obviously we're not all responsible, but right. we do have to deal with the consequences it, of Exactly. So I think the big question, the big takeaway or the, that we, we have to get to today is, and we, I, honestly, I don't know if we actually have the answers, but we can talk through it. Right. Is, is how, how do we instill that into the teens? How do we instill that in ourselves of, of normalizing, yeah, this is who we are. Jesus is at the center of our lives. How do we live that out in a, in a, in a better way? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's funny, like, as we were talking about this, that's one of the things I said. He was like, I don't know that I really feel prepared to talk about it, but I feel like coming out of my conversations with them, it's something that we need to at least start the conversation of. Right. How do we fix some of this? And so, and I think that's really the biggest thing. When we talk about this, how do we, how do we make it more normal to be a Christian for someone who's, in a post-Christian world. And I think for us, the, the biggest one is just to be talking about it, right? Yeah. To continue be- to have conversations, continue to live it out. And, and I think, in, like in my generation, it's just something you did, so you didn't talk about it a lot. And right. I think even more and more now, you know, I'm making this decision on whatever it is of how I'm giving, you know, my resources, how I'm giving my mm-hmm. time, how I'm volunteering. The reason I'm doing this and setting that example and, and, right. and even talking about it even more than what we are. Yeah. I, I honestly can't think of very many times, if ever, that like my parents said, hey, we're, we're doing this because we're generous with God. Like we're doing, but like I knew that's why. Yeah. Because you, we were in church, but. It's not, a, it's not as much of a given anymore as what it used to be. Right. So, so, hey, when I write my checkout, when I pay, pay my, my, my uh, tithe to the church online, the reason I'm doing this is because 
you know, that's part of what God expects out of me. When, when we, we help one of our neighbors, when we talk nice to other people, when we, you know, the reason I'm doing that is because this is how we live. Yeah. And we've, we've never done that before. Right. Yeah. Overtly. To, to explain and, and rationalize and talk through like, this is why I'm the way I am. This is what God asks of us. This yeah. is, yeah, I think it's, it is a little bit odd and weird, but I think, again, we have to n- normalize some of those conversations. One of the things that you said this week too that, that I, I think is just absolutely crucial is, is having a safe place to have conversations for kids and teens. Yeah, and, and so what we've, we've realized and learned is that um, you know, previously, because of that 70% of, of shared this Christian worldview, everyone was starting from a place of, I'm a Christian and, and this is the way that I think about things. Right. And now everyone's starting from a place of, well, I'm not, and so I don't know what I believe, and it's not just enough to say, well, this is what the Bible says, or this is what God said. And so I think we do have to create safe places for teens to wrestle with questions that we never ask. That, that, say that again. That is so huge. You can't um, say it, can you? <laughs> I, yeah, I can't. Um, but we need to create safe places for teens to, to wrestle with questions. And, and I wrote down here that, um, and I was thinking about this, because the other one I, I wrote that I think teens struggle with is that they struggle with knowing who they are. Yeah, that's, yeah. And the one thing they should be confident in is God. And when we can't have those conversations and can't create safe spaces, then they start to question that. And they're already questioning everything else. Right. And so we have to allow teens or really anybody, it's not even just specific to teens, I wouldn't say anymore, but spaces to wrestle with questions that, that we may look at and be like, well, that's a silly question. Yeah. But they need to wrestle through it and work through it. And, and not get freaked out when they have doubts. Yeah, you know, I, you know, growing up, if you if you doubted something, if you doubted scripture, if you doubted, you know, something happened in the Bible, man, you were a heretic. Yep. You know, yep. the Bible says it. I believe it. Yep. That settles it. That's how I grew up. Right. And so, right. even when my kids, when they were growing up, if they started having questions or doubts, it was it was a challenge to me of, man, did I not raise them right or yeah. or whatever it is? Yeah. But we have got to, especially when. Going back, there's so much information. There's so many alternate views mm-hmm. out there that it's not good enough anymore just to say, hey, the Bible says it. That's it. Right. Well, and even you can find pastors who are going to stake every side of the issue. People right. who should be authority figures, right? Like, and so, right. so for us, it's, it's, we have to, I think, realize that people are just going to question and wrestle with more than they did because they're starting in different spots. And that's okay. To. Yeah, and it has to be okay. And, and we can try to help them navigate that. I think that's what we're supposed to do. But we have to allow people space to wrestle with it. And, and don't you think sometimes, you know, you, you want to put them in your little Christian bubble and keep them safe. And this is what I want you to believe. I don't want you to ask those questions. I don't want you to be confused. Yep. You know, this is what I want you to believe. But until they wrestle with those things, until they own them themselves, they are not going to be able to own their own faith. And I think that's part of the reason why so many kids are walking away from their faith yep. when they get into college and things like that. Yeah. It's true because it never becomes real to them. Yeah. Because they can break down all these arguments. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, and I think there's a, another great piece to this. And, and, you know, so we go back to the conversation that, that Jesus was having with his disciples. And in John 15, verse 26, it says this. It says, but I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. And, 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 I, and I just love that, that verse and challenging yeah. us to, to, that we do have to testify no matter where we are. Yeah, like remember the first part, he says, 
they're going to hate you. Yeah. And then we skipped a few verses, but he concludes it all with saying, but you still got to testify. And this is where we have to rise up. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and I, I love the first part, right? I think we need to go back. I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. I think the biggest thing we have to consistently remind ourselves as Christians is the power that comes from the Holy Spirit that we have access to. Right. And know that it is never our responsibility to convince someone of being a Christian or whatever, right? Like God takes all that pressure off of us, but he does call us to action. But that we have the advocate, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit that will take care of any of those things we're unsure how to do. Yeah, and, and we testify, and we do have to testify with words. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to tell our story. We have to tell our own story of, of what God has done in our lives. But we also have to show show that. We testify with our lives mm-hmm. of how we live, how we're being generous, how we're loving other people, yep. how, how we take these, these other things that are happening in our lives and how we navigate um, situations that we are in, yeah. the tough spots. And, and Scripture tells us that that's what people notice about. When, when Jesus makes a difference in our lives and we, our lives are transformed, people on the outside notice that and say, there's something different about them. How can they navigate the things they're going through? How do they love the way that they love? And it all comes back to this Holy Spirit, the advocate, yeah. we're testifying with our lives and our words. Yeah. And I think it's important too, to continue just to give credit to God. Like you said, for so long, it didn't necessarily need to be said, right. but I think now it needs to be said more than ever. Yeah. And, and understand that, yeah, you know, God, this is why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. God's at the center of my life. This is how I make decisions. This is what's radically changing my life. And it makes yep. all the difference in the world. So yep. we want to close with, with a, uh, this verse out of First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 through 16. It says this, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. I love this verse so much. And I, I remember I found this verse in, in high school or college when I was preparing and I knew I wanted to go into ministry. And when I read this verse, it changed my entire perspective of ministry. And there's one word in here that it says, be ready to give a reason for the hope, hope. that you have. Yeah. Because I, I, I think people can find love other places. And not that it's God's love, it's not the same, but they can find love in artificial things and they can find all these other things. But I don't know where else in our world or anything that you can find hope. Especially the kind of hope that, that we can get yeah. out of a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, because it's not just hope about getting out of a bad situation, right? It's hope about that God's got us next week and next year yeah. and even after death, right. right? It's hope permanently. Exactly. And yeah, that's really great stuff. In all situations, yeah. And, and so it's interesting that we're kind of reading that verse like, it's so relevant right now we're going through. It's relevant. It'll always be relevant. Exactly. Yeah. No matter, you know, because we're always going through something. And not only the crisis that we're in right now, but people are constantly navigating issues in their lives, whether it be fi- financial issues, whether it be yep. marriage issues, relationship issues, job issues, you name it. They're always looking for, is there something on the other side of what I am I am going through. And I love the verse that talks about that we always have to be prepared, mm-hmm. which means we have to have our radar on and looking for those situations of, of maybe people that we can come alongside that are struggling, that are looking for hope and say, you know what, this is how I navigate this. This is the hope that I have. And then at the end of that, again, it goes back to, uh, you know, seasoned with grace that we have yeah. to do it in, in, a, in a generous gentle way, in a gentle and respectful yep. way. And let's just face it, we have not done that and that, nope. has, and that is one of the reasons why, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why the world hates us. Yeah. 
I mean, there's a reason why, and I referenced this in a sermon I did, that the pictures people think of Christianity are people with bullhorns, people with Bibles pointing and yelling. Yep. Like, these are the pictures that people who don't go to church have of the church. Yep, and, and that, that we're a bunch of judgmental, and there are times that we have been. There's times that I have been. Yeah. And we've got to, you know, this verse tells us, no, we've got to do it with respect yep. and caring and love in our hearts. Yep. And that's where it all comes down to. And I think um, one of the hardest things, and you kind of mentioned this, that, that it's hard to be gentle and respectful. I think sometimes we struggle to just have an answer, right? Like, if someone asks you, <laughs> why are you a Christian? Like, that's a hard question to answer. And I think you're right that, like, we need to, especially now, spend time thinking about those questions or we can't have an answer. Exactly. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. I, th- I think maybe that's why teens are struggling is because we as adults have not given them great yeah. answers. Well, that and, and I think because we have, we, like in my generation, yeah, we just believed. Mm-hmm. And we, we haven't gone through the wrestling of some of those things. Yeah. It honestly has not been for me into the last 10 or 15 years of my life that I've wrestled to the ground some of the things that, that I was afraid to even ask. And, and some of my perspectives have changed on this. Yep. Foundation has not changed. Right. But, but the way I look at it as a, as, yeah. as a whole has radically changed over the last 10 or right. 15 years. When you, you can't come up with answers if you don't ask questions. Exactly. And sometimes even questions, you, you're, like you said, you're uncomfortable answering. Yeah. You're asking yourself. Yeah. But yeah, we have to wrestle with these questions so that we can help other people wrestle with these questions. Yeah, and there's another piece of this hope that we want to we talk about and talk a little bit about the, the uh, um, survey that Barna did. Yeah, so again, we referenced Barna, this, this idea of post-Christian, and so they, they're a great company who just researches things and really helps give the church some quality data that we can learn things from. And so they did a study in the U.S. to, to learn about different areas of the country that are post-Christian, as they're calling it. Okay, and so they found really the upper northeast is the most post-Christian area in the U.S. The specific city we'll reference here is Springfield, Holick, Massachusetts. And so this is data from them. Um, so when they found they were the most post-Christian city in the U.S., 87% haven't read their Bible in the last week. 65% haven't attended church in six months. 60% have never made a commitment to Jesus. But do you know how many people in that city say they don't believe in God? Only 11%. So they are the most post-Christian city in the U.S. And 90% of the city still believes in God. And so as you look at that, you, you might be intimidated saying, you know, these people are so far from God that they are so, they are so anti-God. They are so anti. But yet 90% of them would say that they still recognize or believe that there is God. That, and that, that was shocking to me, really, to realize that. Because I was... I was I guess in the mindset of as the more we get more and more post-Christian, the more people are, are turning away from God in general. And it's really not. They've turned away from like organized religion. They've right. turned away from Christianity as just accepting it and moving on. And they're questioning and they really don't know where answers are. But yet that gives us the opportunity more than ever probably to give people hope and answers. Exactly. Just like that verse in First Peter says, like we need to give them reasons, need to give them hope gentle and respectful. And here again is this city that is, is, is severely post-Christian who what we would look at and say, oh, they are anti-God. Mm-hmm. But yes, but 90% of them are, are somewhat open. And as they look at our lives and how God is making a difference in our lives, it has got to influence them. So we've got to understand how can we live? How can we speak? How can we ask the questions, engage them in life and in conversation so that we can share the hope that we have? Yeah. I just, I think for so long, 
I don't mean this to sound harsh or offensive, but so long we've been able to kind of be passive Christians, I think. And really a time now more than ever, and I think the longer we wait, the, the worse it gets, the worse opinions they have. But like it is time, I think, for us as a church to rise above culture and above the opinions they're going to have and maybe the insults we're going to get. And it's time, I think, for us to be bold. And, and as I look at the book of Acts and the early church and the way Jesus tells the disciples to act, like that's how we need to be living now more than ever. Yeah. And again, in that gentle, respectful way, because we are trying to overcome a lot of baggage that people are going to have, but like we have to become bold in our faith, bold in our beliefs, bold in the way that we love, bold in the way that we treat people, and I think even bold in the way that we talk and encourage and push other Christians. Absolutely. So more, now more than ever, as individuals in a church, it is time for us to rise up. Would you pray for us? Yeah, I will. God, I just, um, I pray for all of us here, you know, today, just to, as we kind of process, what does it mean to rise up in the midst of culture in a post-Christian world? God, I pray that you give us the boldness that we need, the courage that we need, God, if we're, if we're struggling in our own beliefs and questioning, I pray that you give us faith, that you give us answers, that you give us people that we can talk to. Um, and God, I just pray that we can recapture that heart that you were trying to instill in the disciples and that we see in the book of Acts, God, this boldness that despite what they think of us, God, we will rise up. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Yeah. See Happy you next Mother's Sunday. Day. Happy Mother's Woo. Day. Woo. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for tuning in with us today as we have wrapped up our series called Rise Up. We've just got a couple of announcements that we want to share with you before we close today. The first and foremost, if you missed, generationally speaking, this last Thursday night, Brad and Bruce shared our uh, proposed reopening plan for Crossbridge Community Church, what the next kind of six weeks will look like here at the church. And, you know, we're following very closely with Governor Holcomb and then some of our health officials here in Fort Wayne. And so that plan is, you know, um, it is a possibility for that to change, but, you know, we feel pretty confident about what we're doing in the next couple of weeks. So make sure that you go back and watch that so you're up to date on what the next few weeks will look like at Crossbridge. Uh, but something we know for sure is happening that we want you to put on your calendars is Memorial Day weekend, which I believe is the 24th. We are planning a worship service outside on our property. Um, we're going to provide a few options where you can either bring some lawn chairs and practice social distancing. You can either do the drive up experience in our parked uh, kind of parking lot, roped off area and stay in your cars, or we'll also be live streaming that. And so if you want to stay home, you feel more comfortable with that, that's totally okay. But uh, Memorial Day weekend, mark your calendars. We're going to be out here on the church property doing an outdoor worship experience. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope to see you this Thursday for Generationally Speaking. Have a great rest of your week.